1: Hi, this is Chatting with Nat, yes it's Natalie Jean, yes it's Natalie Jean, and today we have the honor of having singer-songwriters Naomi and Sarah Crandall. After the Millennials is an American band made up of two sets of twins, Seth, Sarah, Nate, and Naomi Crandall. Their love for music began at a very early age as their home was filled with instruments and music due to their father being a musician himself. Nate's focus is on percussion, vocal harmonies, and writing. Naomi's focus is on guitar, vocals, and songwriting. The rest of the band is composed of Nate and Naomi's twin brother and sister, Seth and Sarah. Seth is currently minoring in piano composition and has influences ranging from classical to punk. Sarah plays the bass, guitar, and double bass. Her musical interests. Definitely can be found in the 90s punk movement, but she has always been drawn towards songs that have catchy bass lines and hooks. Their songs portray raw emotional themes that relate to everyone, regardless of their age or background. So let's give Sarah and Naomi Crandall a round of applause. Hi, thanks for having us. How are you? We're doing well. These are crazy times. So how have you been um, during this whole pandemic thing? Definitely um, been crazy
2: to say the least. We um, Nate and I both graduated from high school during it and we started our first year of college. Seth and Sarah both graduated during COVID. So it's just it's been crazy trying to balance school, music and all the things in between.
1: Yeah, it's been cray-cray, up and down, up and down. They always give you some misinformation. Wear your mask, don't wear your mask. I'm still wearing my mask. I've been vaccinated, but you know, you don't know what to <laughs> leave More, You just don't know. I mean, what right? do you think? It's just crazy. It's just crazy. What do you think is the first thing that you'll really want to do once things are really done? I mean, the pandemic is over.
3: I mean, live music, honestly, going to see, like, a big concert.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, that's going to be awesome. That'll be awesome times. Now, during the pandemic, did you guys um, live stream at all? Um,
2: We were part of a couple of different um, podcasts and live stream concerts. We actually were able to do two outdoor socially distanced shows, so that was super (laughs) cool. But for the most part, we've just been recording music. Um, Kind of taking time to develop ourselves as a band.
1: Now, tell me, how does this exactly work? There's two sets of twins. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. your parents did that. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out really nice for us. I mean, how did you guys come together to say, you know what, Dad has this in him. I think we have this in us, let's let's just do this thing.
3: Yeah, yeah. So we grew up with music all around us. We were constantly playing in our house um, or we'd play music in our cars. We played in our dad's band actually a few times. Okay. Um, But we are put in an interesting and somewhat unique situation by having four siblings in a band all together. Uh, We all grew up listening to the same music, like Switchfoot, U2, Foo Fighters, but we ended up gravitating towards our own music, and that really comes out in our individual works, and it allows us to bring them all together, so it's like a puzzle of a bunch of different influences that morph together. We each have different strengths and weaknesses, but that allows us to build on each other's ideas and teaches us that it's okay to accept help and not know everything. So it's really a cool (laughs) dynamic.
1: Amen to that. Um, but was there a specific moment where you're like, "Whoa, I need to get into this music thing because it's just it's pulling me in. As I'm gravitated to it, I I can do so much with the music." Yeah, I first
2: started um, writing songs when I was 15, and so at one point I just like I wrote a song and it wasn't the worst thing, and I showed it to <laughs> my family, and they're like, "This is actually good. Like, let's do something with this." And we all just kind of sat down with our own instruments and we worked it together, and it just became. An actual song that I thought maybe people would want to listen to,
1: and it, it just worked out. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I like I like that story. I mean, you you knew what you wanted. You wrote it down. You're like, you know, I can try this out. Let me see, and it's worked out. How <laughs> would you describe your music?
2: Um, we technically would say we're an alternative rock band. Um, okay. Right. The last EP that we just put out, Faded, that one definitely has songs from all different kinds of, almost genres. We have some that have more like folk influences, and then we have some that are more poppy, and then we have more acoustic. So it's kind of all over the place. Um, But we're really just exploring what we can do and um, having fun with it.
1: Now, what would you say about your music is rebellious, unconventional, or unusual? Hmm,
2: that's a really great question. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um,
2: I think the fact that we're all um, teenage to young adult years, you definitely have a lot of that teen angst in there and that it, it shows. And so you've got um, just rebellion in the lyrics and in wanting to create our own past and in trying to find ourselves. Um, and it's a topic to a lot of young people right now.
1: I like that. I like that. So what do you think how, What do you think sets your music apart from anybody else's music out there?
2: Besides the fact that it's two sets of twins, I mean, I think that's probably the <laughs> the, the big catch. You put it yeah. on, it's just branding in and of itself. Um, because we're a family, we have these crazy dynamics where we don't really have to communicate our ideas. It just kind of works. We just know each other right.
0: so well.
1: Um, yeah. Um well, that's a good answer. Um, so, how important is it for you to be able to speak your truth um through your music? yeah, I think
2: um because I write songs off of life mm-hmm. i um i'm I'm really telling my story, and I think that's something really powerful. I definitely have used music um just to not feel so alone i remember finding songs when i was 15 and being like wow this is exactly what i wanted to say i just didn't have the words for it Mm
0: -hmm. and so
2: now i'm able to kind of communicate it better and it's um it's just so powerful being able to share some ideas and your emotions and then find out that other people have gone through the exact same thing and it's just such um, a unifying idea it's also been really cool
3: creating these songs as a family because all of us are kind of private individuals just by nature. And so right. this kind of like forced us to say, Hey, these are my thoughts. These are my feelings. This is what I'm dealing with. Um, let's talk about this and create something out of it.
1: Um, I really like that. You know, music has the ability to heal. It has the ability to move mountains. It has a, an ability to affect people. And, you know, as artists, you know, we have people like artists sometimes don't want to have to take on responsibility for certain things. But I love the fact that when you write an extremely personal song or something that you're going through or something that you see somebody else going through, that audience member or the listener will be like, oh, my gosh, this person gets me. I need more of this. Um, Because a lot of people tend to be lonely. A lot of people tend to think that nobody really gets them they just don't understand what they're going through and went through song when they find that person that my god that artist that's just singing everything they're feeling it's just I think it's the most amazing and powerful thing that we can do as artists is to help um, the people out there totally definitely um, what would you say how is your writing process how do you go about writing a song with the four of you together? <laughs> yeah,
2: I tend to come up with the basics.
1: So I really write only for two reasons. One
2: is because I just, I find this concept or an idea for a song, and I'm like, wow, this this needs to be talked about. Or I go through a life experience, and I start thinking about it too much, and I need to get it out of my head somehow, so then I write a song. Um, that, that means that a lot of my songs are written at two in the morning, and it's just a whole mess. <laughs> But um, it's, it's pretty easy for me to, to get the lyrics out and to get a basic melody or a mm-hmm. chord structure put together. And it's just really a rough draft of a song. And then at that point, I'm able to give it to Nate, and he is able to take it to the next level. He's able to really conceptualize um, what the song should sound like and just put it in the right direction. And then Seth, since he studied um, piano composition and theory, he has a great understanding of all the little details and how to just fine-tune it. And then Sarah, just she knows, her instruments so well she how you know, to add these hooks and everything yeah. so we're able to just come together and put all the pieces and make it into this beautifully composed um, piece.
1: And how do you all deal with uh, writer's block if you get writer's block because some people don't get writer's block. Yeah, during COVID, it's been it's been rough.
2: I know a lot of um, artists were able to just use this time to, to grind and mm-hmm. get so much put out, um, but I found myself feeling really stuck because I wasn't having any life experiences, and I, I lost mm-hmm. um, motivation to write anything, really, and so it's, it's it's been rough, but I feel like I'm getting back into it. As things are opening back up, I'm able to see people again. I'm able to go out. I'm able to find things um, to keep myself going and it's really just getting out there and being with people that helps me to get over writer's block. I think i just I thrive with people, so that's a really big necessity of having that community,
1: yeah, I mean for myself, I was supposed to try this challenge there's a, uh one of the ladies that I um interviewed on, on my podcast she did a thirty day challenge where where she wrote a song a day for thirty days, and she, wow. and she to do that she said, yeah, some days they were like maybe. Two words on the paper, but she went through the entire <laughs> process. <laughs> and I'm thinking I need to do something like that. I mean, I, I wrote a couple of songs during the pandemic, um, and I'm supposed to be write, currently um, writing, working on a new album, and certain life things are prompting me to move forward with that. Um, but, yeah, you, you definitely have to be motivated. And I think the pandemic kind of put a lot of people in a depressive state because, you know, we're locked inside – you can't see our friends, you can't hug people, you can't do this, you can't do that. Sometimes you lack a certain motivation. I know when I did a lot of the live streaming, you know, sometimes there were a lot of people there, sometimes there were a few people there, sometimes there were nobody there, and sometimes I was just singing to myself, but it allowed me to practice my music because I'm 100 years old, and sometimes I forgot my lyrics, Um, and sometimes if I'm performing, <laughs> I'll just make something up. Nobody knows the difference, okay, but, um, yeah. Exactly. It's I, I I definitely get you um, in that sense. Um, who are your musical influences? Yeah,
2: I think for per- personally, mine um, come from bands like Group Love, Paramore, mm-hmm. Cage the Elephant. I love finding artists that have just really strong female vocals.
0: Right.
2: Um, I know Seth and Nate. They have more classic. Um, classic rock influences, Nate's got a little bit more of like the hip-hop and like well-produced stuff, and then Sarah, you can explain your influences.
3: Yeah, so I actually started playing bass because of the band Silver Sun Pickups. They have this awesome Mm -hmm. female bass player, um, and I heard their songs. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be that cool. I'm going to start playing bass too. Um, And then The Living End influenced me to play stand-up bass. And then besides that, I've been pretty heavily influenced by the musical styles of Blink-182 and
1: Catfish and the Bottlemen. Awesome. So what do you both enjoy about being an artist?
2: I think for me, I mean, I know I've talked about community a lot, but I think just having the ability to, to meet with people and to meet other artists and to exchange ideas, stage in front of. However many people, whether it's five or two hundred or plus well, it's just it's so great to have that um that platform and being able to like, just share ideas and thoughts
1: now what do you prefer do you prefer a venue a large venue with a large crowd or do you prefer a more intimate setting um i
2: think I think it's a little bit of both when I go and see an artist, I prefer the smaller vibe. Um, and I think, I think it's probably the same for action performances. The biggest show we've ever done was maybe like 500. And that was cause we were, um, opening, we weren't like headlining or anything and that was incredible. But I think when it's, when it's the smaller room, it's just so much more intimate and you're able to connect so much better. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely found that I enjoy indoor shows more than outdoor shows. Cause mm-hmm. when it's outdoor, it's just, it's, there's a disconnect there, and it's just, it just doesn't
1: right. feel the same. No, I get that. I guess So we're going to play your song, Down, "Drown." What is that about? Now I could get, I could guess what it's about, but tell me what it's about. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Drown is um, one of my favorite songs actually that we've recorded. It's a very personal song. Um, ages 15 to 17 were just some really hard years. I was going through a lot. Also, just teen hormones were messing up a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> but this song is just basically an inner dialogue of all the thoughts and the ideas I was struggling with. Um, and it's it's just all of
1: my emotions communicated in just a few minutes. <laughs> a few minutes. All right. Well, we're going to have a word from our sponsor and we'll play the song. Hi, it's
2: Jordan. And Madison. And we're J Madison Madison out of Nashville, Tennessee. We'd love to
3: tell you about B Squared Management, artist services by artists for artists. Get your press,
2: branding, single release, and sync success plan now at bsquaredmgmt.com. And listen up to our latest single down now on Spotify.
0: I can
1: Fantastic. Um, when I'm listening to the song I actually can I feel like I could hear that in a a movie or even a documentary, um or even a commercial. Have you guys thought about um trying to go for uh sync and licensing with your music? Yeah, we're
2: definitely um we're open to most opportunities. We haven't looked into it too much but um, we have a few connections with people that um, we, we're definitely keeping open in case that ever is something that we look into more seriously.
1: You really should, and I'm telling, I'll tell you why. It depends on what you want to do with your music, so let me put it to you that way. Um, as artists, you know, obviously we'd love to make millions of dollars. This music industry is extremely hard. <laughs> and the way that musicians are making money now obviously if you're touring and you're selling merch you're going to make a killing right um especially if people are still buying cds which a lot of people don't unless you're touring and they can have a signed copy you know people will go gaga for that stuff um yeah people what they do now is they're streaming music you can't you can't sign st- streaming music and stuff like that and in order to make a real great living streaming music you've got to stream billions and millions I, I think the song Happy by Pharrell um, streamed like I don't know how many millions and he only made $30,000 out of it now $30,000 is a nice chunk of change but not for millions and millions of streams because streams you know on Spotify you get a half a cent per stream yeah. you're not really making that much money So where artists are now trying to make money is through syncing licensing because you can make a ton of money. So I'm with a a publishing company, and she sends me stuff all the time. But, like, one of the things they sent me was something for, like, $10,000 just to get my song in, like, a, a commercial. I don't know if they'll accept it, but those are the types of offers that are out there. And sometimes with commercials, if your song is just played over and over, you, you're, you're going to make a killing. So I would advise you to think about that strongly about trying to get your music in the film. Because it, the vibe uh, from that particular song is something I, I could just see in, a, in, in a, you know, a teenage film. It could be an adult film. Um, it could be a commercial. It could have been a car commercial that's another way for other people to like, hear your voice and hear your music and find out about who you are. So just think totally,
2: yeah. That. We'll definitely look into that more.
1: Yeah, we definitely do want to do that. Now, I know you said that's one of your favorites. Is there another song that you like, um, that you love a lot of yours and that you love to perform, and why?
2: We have one song that we're actually working on recording right now. Um, we're about halfway done with it. It's called Ramona. And that one, just the energy, is so much fun to do live. Um, there's so many rock elements to it compared to our other ones, and the, just the vibe of it is so much fun. And we have um, some awesome friends and listeners who love it as well, and so that one definitely gets a good reaction when we play it live.
1: That's awesome. See, the thing is, what I tell people all the time, you have to love the music that you put out. If you don't love it, nobody else is going to love it because the energy, it's the energy that you put into your music, the instrumentation, the vocals, the songwriting is what's going to grab the audience's attention. And if you really love what you're doing, you're, you're, the, a lot of people are going to love it. Now, music is subjective. Not everybody loves everything. I've put out stuff where one place loved it, another place didn't accept it or whatever. Um, but you definitely have to put everything. I don't put anything that I don't love out at all yeah 100%. and i prefer my music extremely raw meaning um like i'm like weird like if a pen were to drop in the background like, i would leave it in there because that's real life that's just real life i i don't see it. yeah i'm weird i don't seek perfection in my music at because there's no there's no such thing there's like albums and songs that we love and we're, we say okay this this stuff is killer, and this stuff is amazing, and I love this artist. There's no song or album that is perfect. And I think that, you know, the audience, the listeners are craving something different. Because if you listen to radio, it's basically the same stuff all the time, 24-7, same artist, being played, the same song. There's a point, and I keep saying this, but there's I can't listen to Lizzo's, a couple of Lizzo songs anymore because... They played it too much. You know, when you first <laughs> the song, it, it, isn't is that crazy, though? You'll get in the car in the morning. You go in the car in the afternoon. You get in the car in the evening. It's the same song. To the point that you're yeah. like, okay, I can't listen to this song anymore. I mean, I love Taylor Swift. I love these people. But if media and the radio had their way, you would never know any other artist in the entire world. And I think that's extremely sad. And so I think that, We need to get more independent artists out there, push them out there. You know, we have to be more vocal and get get these radio stations to play at least, like, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of indie artists that are doing all of it themselves. Because this is a hard job, don't you think?
2: Oh, I 100% agree with that. It's so important. And one of my favorite things is finding local music in the area and just going and (laughs) supporting because nobody else is doing it. You really have
1: to be vocal with that. I uh, Amen to that. Amen to that. It's just it's it's a, it's a crazy, I like a crazy, world. Um, what's one thing you wish you had? now you guys are young, and I'm like 99.9 years old, but I can ask this question because you've already begun your career. What's the one thing you wish you had known when you began your career?
2: I think in the beginning, I wish I just. Knew like it was okay to just have fun with it, and it doesn't have to, You don't have to take yourself so seriously. You're you're there to enjoy and to, to, to pursue your passion and share your art with people. You're not there to be the perfect pop star or musician. You're. I, I was a kid. I'm still a kid. I'm allowed to do what I want to do and have fun with it. I think I just took it so seriously in the beginning, and I put so much pressure on myself to perform well, and it was just unhealthy.
1: Yeah, in the beginning, you was like, Oh my God, I gotta have this person. Nope, don't like that sound. Nope. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> no, you know, I get you. I, get you. I completely get you because you're like, okay, you know, people are going to be listening. Now, when I first started out, I don't know how you guys, I'll ask you the quest, The next question is that when I thought about doing music and I started late in life, I was, just, I was an introvert. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to get on the stage in front of people and sing. And what I did to turn that around, I started not caring what people thought. You, you have to be able to be comfortable in your own skin and just say, you know what? I'm going to perform, I'm going to give the best performance that I can, they're going to enjoy it, and you just put that out into the universe. And that's how I did it. Now, you know, I can go on stage and not get nervous and, and do my thing. so, you know, when you thought about the, your first performance, you know, I don't know if you're shy or not, how did you get through that first performance?
2: Oh, man, our first one, that one was a lot of fun. It was um, 2018, I believe, at Chain Reaction in Anaheim. And mm-hmm. at that point, the band the band wasn't even, it wasn't fully, like, all four of us. We had a we had another guitarist who was with us at the time. Um, I remember getting up there, and we all just stood there, like, straight, like, not moving. We didn't, like, interact with the crowd. Like, we had no clue what we were doing. We were just like, we got to play the songs. We got to do it well and just get through this. And it was just compared to the shows that we do now, it's so much different. The energy is so different. And it, just, right? it really makes a difference. <laughs>
1: it's just it, i mean it's just when you enjoy it you get into it it's just like for me music has been my saving grace i just love every aspect of it although there are days where i'm just like i don't want to do this anymore because you know it, it's people just don't get it it's a lot of work and the other thing when you when you really get into it and you have all these people that will contact you and say oh i can do all this stuff for you and a lot of them are scammers So you basically have to do a lot of your own due diligence. You have to research the people that come, come after you. Um, And one of the, I've been talking to a friend of mine who manages her son, he's at Berkeley. And um, she says every artist should take a business, a music business course, management, all kinds of things, learning about contracts and deals, because she, she says, and I agree with her that, we should be knowledgeable about the things that are going to come to us. They, I mean, obviously, the people are going to come. They're going to come with their agreements and stuff like that, but we should know about it before they send it to us. And there's, there's you yeah. can, plenty of artist management books that you can buy out there, and there's plenty of lawyers that will do pro bono stuff because there are people that will put stuff in front of you, and it's almost like they t- they're want to take all your music. I mean, I had one person... Say, well, I can do all this in distribution. I said I have all this already. Well, you can be on a no. I don't want to be on a label. I like being indie. I don't like people telling me what to do. This. Time. I want to be able to put out my music the way that I want to put out without somebody trying to change who I am.
0: Exactly. Um, you
1: know what I mean? How do you feel about that? Would you want what What, what would you guys want to do? Would you want to go with a big label? Would you want to go indie, or do you want to stay and do your own thing and keep pushing?
2: I mean, at this point keep we keeping it indie as much as we can i think there's room for growing and maybe signing with a label one day but as of right now we're um experimenting with self-recording and self-producing our entire last ep we did on our own which um was incredible compared to other songs we've done in the past which were also great but we had that communication with the producer and it just there were things that looking back we would have done differently and so now we have the full control over how a song turns out and it's it's so much more fun this way and we're just able to, we're able to keep going back if we don't like it and keep tweaking it and adjusting it and making it exactly how we like it and that's,
1: it's it's we're loving it.
2: It's so much more fun like this.
1: No, I agree with you 100%. When you have full control, you're just like, yeah, let's add this, let's add that. Like, um, a friend and I released a song uh, a couple days ago and um, it's about animals because she just loves animals, so do I, and she's all into protecting animals and we wanted to make it a little different. So my friend, the producer, um, he put this uh, the sound of a, I think it's a lion or, a tiger, I don't know, tiger growling in the beginning of it, which made it really cool because you realize, okay, this is about animals. And the thing is, you could use that in a film. So there's so many different ways that you can go about doing a song. But when you make that song specifically unique, that's where people, you grab people's attention. Um, yeah, I I've love been, that. Yeah, you, I've been to a lot of conferences, um, music conferences, and the things that they tell you is that they'll tell you, you know, if you're going to write for, if you're going to give me a song for Rihanna, don't give me something she's already done, give me something that she hasn't done. You know, even mm-hmm. though we hear the same stuff over and over on the radio, um, the people are craving something different. I know that as I've grown older and uh, start to really listen to music, I actually look listen to the lyrics more than I listen to the melody. Because I love to see what story is coming from the artist's soul. What are they trying to say? What are they trying to convey? Am I really getting to know that artist right there in that moment? Um, so, yeah, the, 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 you know, you'll have evolutions of music, of, of figuring out what you want to do with your music. I went from left to Z to A, from A to Z to left. Z, the W, whatever. I mean, I've been all over the place, and what I realized is that I want my music to make a difference. You know, I want to be an effective player in life, and whether that means, you know, I'm changing, making a difference in somebody's life because they've been through some of the same things I've been through, or, I, or I'm just making them happy. I think that I've I've done something right. Um. So here's the question. I always ask this a different way. What is something that you tried to do in the music thing? It didn't pan out. And what did you learn from it? Yeah,
2: that's a really good question.
1: Um, I mean, I think
2: we tried a lot of different formulas when we were writing songs in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them work really well for other artists. And I just don't, I don't think it works as well for us. In 2019, we were able to be a part of this foundation hosted by House of Blues called Music Forward. And that gave us the ability to network with other artists. It was like a six-week program where we got to just do artist development and meet um, other local people around our age who were making music. Mm. And that was incredible. It was so much fun. We learned so much. Um, But we really saw the difference between how each of us are approaching this. Um, And for us, we really enjoy um, like genuine connection. And we we like to be honest with our music. We like to keep it as real as possible. And some of these people had a different approach, which works really well for them, but it didn't work as well for us. We have social media and we use it to promote as much as we can, but we really, we prefer more of the in-person connection as of right now. And so I think we tried to be something we weren't during that time, and we, we just had to we had to take a step back from that and reset, especially during this quarantine time where we really mm-hmm. were able to, like, figure out what we were actually pursuing. Were we doing this because we want to make money or are we doing this because we want to have fun?
1: Well, I get that completely. Um, so we're going to play this song Str- Strangers in a Song. Tell me what that's about.
2: Yeah, I wrote the song last summer. Um, it's about the what ifs in life. So what if I had made the first move with this boy? What if we have spent more time together? What if things had just turned out differently? Um, and it's it's just about the what ifs in life. I think there's so many, and it's, it's so fun to think about it, but not to dwell on it, because then right. that gets unhealthy.
1: All right, hold on one second. We'll have a word from our sponsor.
2: Hi, this is Nikki Chris, and I host a podcast called Mixin' It. Mixin' It focuses on women in the music, entertainment, and the performing arts. Our goal is to provide an avenue for industry veterans and -and up-and-coming artists, musicians, engineers, and producers to showcase their talent. Listen to Mixin' It on Monday Music Madness at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sim Radio Network
0: you were the one that i always knew but never thought you could want me to till that night that we stayed up till three i didn't know why
1: Seems so raw and authentic. I'm into this authentic, living this authentic life because <laughs> the past six years have <laughs> been crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just been you don't know what to believe anymore, and then you find out people are just not who they say they are. It's, I just can't. Um, it's just so when I hear authenticity like that, I love it. Absolutely love it. And I think you guys. Thank have- you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, What advice would you give someone trying to break into this industry?
3: Um, Honestly, I mean, like Naomi was saying before,
1: just Mm. having
3: fun with it and not trying to hold yourself to a perfect standard. That just adds way too much stress and pressure, and it becomes all about utility and making money instead of being, like, expressing yourself uh, in a true way and connecting with other people.
2: Yeah. And I think it's, it's important not to compare yourself, especially with social media. There's, it's, um, there's so many artists out there right now and while wow, that's incredible, it's just becoming so saturated. It's hard not to just, when you open your phone, you see another artist and you think, wow, they're so much better. They're putting in so much more work. It's really, it's really important to take a step back and just reflect on who you are and what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah. No, that's great advice. Um, and if anybody out there is trying to do music, remember it's a lot of work. Um, how do you manage? Yeah. How do you manage all your social media? I mean, we have a band
2: accounts that we use occasionally. There's uh-huh. there's definitely been accounts that we just like had to let go of. There's been like TikTok accounts. I think it works really well for some people. For us, it was it was more toxic than it was helpful. So it's it's finding wow. the right balance between making an impact and promoting yourself and connecting with others, but also not letting it take over your life. The thing with, here's the thing
1: I was working with, and I still work with them from time to time. I was working uh B squared management and TikTok is a, is a very interesting thing. Cause at first I was like, no, I don't want to do this. It's not me, blah, blah, blah. But I have, it, I got two kittens um in December. So I put them on their do Silly stuff, but I also use my own music. Um, I I have a song called I told you no which is about my own sexual assault and um and I put that on there and I got a lot of views on there. Um so it depends on how you do TikTok. I mean, I mean a lot of your songs are really good for TikTok if you do TikTok in a more personal way. You give mm-hmm. a little story, you play a little of the song or you you know, you can do an acoustic set for about a minute cuz that's all you basically have. Um, But there's ways <laughs> to gravitate. You can get more fans that way. Um But I understand how some people don't like TikTok. I mean, I did a conference on it. They're like, oh, you should do five videos a day. Who has that kind of time? I don't. Oh, my should... gosh. Yeah, <clears throat> five videos a day. And I'm thinking, no, nope, but... that's not happening. not happening. I'll do my little one every three months or every two months or whatever. Um, Just to be seen and heard, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. the other, I don't know if you guys are on Pinterest. I was on there five hundred years ago, but recently a friend of mine was like, "Oh, you need to get on there. You need to post your videos." Because she put her son on there, and this video got seven thousand views. So a lot of people didn't know that Pinterest is another place where you can get a lot of marketing. a lot of marketing done. So if you don't yeah, have an I've account. I'm giving you more work, but, but you'll
2: gain more fans. I'll take it. Any advice, we'll take it.
1: All right. Well, tell our listeners where they can find you online.
2: Yeah, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We also have a YouTube account. Our Instagram is just after the millennials. I believe our Twitter is 18millennials, possibly, something similar to that. You can look us up on Spotify, Apple Music, all this new streaming platforms. Our recent EP is called Faded. That came out just a couple months ago, and we are so proud of it. Self-produced, self-recorded, and we are just going to keep on grinding. So follow us on there, on Instagram. You'll be able to um, just get all the updates from us.
1: Awesome thoughts. Well, thank you, Naomi and Sarah, for being on Chatting With Nat. It was truly an honor. I will follow you everywhere now. I think your music is awesome. You guys are powerfully... Young and 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 bright in your music. You're raw. You're authentic. I think people should follow you, um, and hopefully, sometime soon, we can do an Instagram live and people can see you and you can perform live. Thank you. All right. I hope you have an awesome day. And that was chatting with Net with singer songwriter Naomi and Sarah Crandall. Until next time on Chatting with Nat. Love